Hey folks, if you're hearing Dem Cooley Boys, it means it's time to spend some time at the cabin with friends up north. It's where you'll find Kirk Bankstead of the Monaco Brewing Company Super Pack, along with Dr. Kristen Lyerly and more friends here up north. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Up North Podcast. Oh, Kristen, it's just the two of us. It's just us. Dad's gone. He's not here with us anymore. <laughs> so, everyone, we started this uh, podcast about two years ago, Pat Kreitlow and I, um, and we've luckily uh, landed the best host of, of all of all three of us, Kristen Lyerly, uh, more recently. But we've all been doing this together uh, mm -hmm. for a long time, and Pat was just given a radio slot uh, for the fr from the six o'clock till eight in the morning every day uh, during the week, and mm -hmm. that's uh, and so that's a great that's for him. That's too early for us. Too early for us. <laughs> we have other jobs. Unfortunately, this is Pat's. Er he does this every day. God bless the guy. We can only do it once a week, and it's too early for us. So, uh, so we we have uh, uh, we have put the show back at seven so that we can both drink beer right Kristen do you have yes with you? <laughs> I do but I feel Kirk I feel like I'm cheating on you because I am at Bent Paddle in Duluth and it feels a little like it's great and I'm loving it but it feels a little like dirty well I mean so a Bent Paddle is awesome and Duluth is awesome and mm -hmm. why do you get to be in Duluth right now because you're having way more fun than I am what's going on I am driving up to Hibbing, home of Bob Dylan, so that I can pitch in and help out with some OBGYN coverage in Minnesota this weekend. So you're an OBGYN in Wisconsin, but you're mm -hmm. helping out to deliver some babies and other OBGYN stuff in northern Minnesota. Why? What are you doing? Yeah. I don't think, well, first of all, I've obviously been very visible with my disdain for the 1849 criminal abortion ban in Wisconsin. And I am very concerned that I'm a target and it's not safe for OBGYN doctors to provide obstetrical care in Wisconsin. And there's plenty of need in states that appreciate us and value us. So I am practicing in Minnesota right now. And I think the biggest problem is people are like, well, then just don't do abortions. But it's not that easy. I mean, we're not blatantly doing abortions. It's because there is so much um, similarity between miscarriage management, between managing complicated pregnancies. All of these things and abortion care are closely intertwined. So it would be real easy for a DA who is on a vendetta to accuse someone who is helping someone deal with a heartbreaking miscarriage of actually performing an abortion. And that could end up with felony charges, could end up putting a doctor in jail. It's just too dangerous. So this is the tip of the iceberg. I think we're going to see more of this. I know many of my colleagues are very concerned. I hear you. Well, I'm sorry that you can't be doing more of this here. Um, we uh, will get back to that uh, uh, later in the show. I wanted to, uh, before we go to a break in about a minute, I wanted to tell everybody that we are uh, going to talk to you, the, first of all, from the next segment, we're going to talk to the Iron Stash, Randy Bryce. Yes. Who, uh, <laughs> who is like our Paul Revere uh, 
uh, way back when, before Walker was elected governor, he was trying to warn us that this guy would stamp, stomp on the unions. And I want to talk to him about uh, where, where we were then and where we are now in terms of democratic organization. And then mm-hmm. we're going to get Joel Jacobson and Leah Spicer, who was just on this awesome New York Times article that happened a couple days ago. These guys weren't really in the mix of, of holding on to assembly races, uh, but, but because of certain things that we'll talk about, they could pull off some upsets in Wisconsin mm-hmm. that could help us hold on to Governor Eder's veto. Governor Eber's veto, hope to, hopefully he still gets reelected and he has mm-hmm. a veto, but mm-hmm. we also need a bunch of these uh, uh, assembly folks to win to keep the veto. So, folks, so much we are at going stake. to – We are going to get to all of that after our first break, and we'll come back with the Iron Stash after this. So we, I couldn't find any songs that had anything about an iron stash in it. That, I've never, I've never heard that before. I've never used that. I use his intro music. We use uh, Iron Man from Black Sabbath as intro music for uh, for a, a Wisconsin hero of mine. So I, I, I was in Not New York. Not just yours, all of yeah. ours. Yeah, yeah and like Randy anyone Bryce. who knows anything about the history of Wisconsin and what happened in 2010 and everything that happened with unions and Scott Walker. I mean, Randy Bryce, you are kind of a Wisconsin legend. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's very humbling. Um, it, it really was a privilege just to be able to, to be a part of it. And it was historic for, for so many reasons. And I'll, I'll never forget hearing about the whole incident. And, you know, I... We knew how bad he was when he was the county executive in Milwaukee and did whatever I could to make sure he wasn't elected governor. And but, you know, he, he snuck in there. He uh, it was an ambush election. He never told us he was going to bust the unions. And I knew he was going to be anti-union based off of how he treated the, the public sector workers in Milwaukee County. But no idea he was going to pull what he did. So, so remind us how this all went down. Give us a little history lesson for those of us who may not have been paying attention in 2020. Well, he, I mean, it was the midterms, and I remember uh, knocking on doors until I had bloody knuckles for President Obama. He, you know, was, was running on getting the Employee Free Choice Act um, instituted. And, and I was like, that's great. That's exactly what we need. Um, but you know, the economy wasn't doing great and, and just historically, um, the party that's in power doesn't do very well in the midterms. And that was, that's what ended up, I think, I think getting us, but, you know, and again, and, and, uh, right after he, you know, Scott Walker got elected, he even said he got his, his people together and they dropped the bomb, literally called it dropping the bomb. And, and I'll never forget that. And it was an attack, um, not just on unions, but on into, uh, the entire state of Wisconsin's working people. So the reason uh, I wanted you on first uh, tonight as a guest is that there was this huge New York Times article that came out a few de- few days ago that kind of you know, introduced us to Aaliyah Spicer, who's going to be our, our guest next. Uh, but it also talked about the last decade or you know, potential mm-hmm. 15 years, not only in Wisconsin, but but what led up to Wisconsin losing power. Uh, and so one of the 
One of the things that they mentioned that I wanted to kind of see what you thought of because you lived it and you, and you were a big part of this is uh, the New York Times article said between 2008 and 2016, the GOP flipped nearly 1,000 state legislative seats. This was partly a result of the Republicans' 2011 gerrymander, but it was also a byproduct of a top-down Democratic strategy, strategy that left Democratic parties weak. So I wanted to, you know, you've been doing this, you've been at this a long time. Um, in your opinion, you know, where was the state of the Democratic Party and where was the state of unions back in, uh, before Walker got elected? And obviously we wanna talk about where we are now to see if we've gotten any stronger because we don't want the same thing to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, I, th I think it was a combination of every, you know, a lot of things, um, the economy, um, you know, and, and as far as unions went, that was right around the time, just before I would say like 2009 was when I was getting involved, like being an officer with Ironworkers Local 8. And I was the first political coordinator that we had. And I was getting to interview candidates that were running for office and making sure that they were labor friendly. Um, but once the Republicans got in, we just, you know, we never knew what hit us and we weren't ready for it. Um, and I think part of the reason, too, was that the leadership, we, we weren't used to fighting for what we had. We, you know, it was something that somebody had fought for years ago. And this is just a very cyclical thing um, where, you know, unions get attacked and they get busted down and then they have, they have to regroup and dust themselves off and get back up on their feet. And, and that's exactly what happened. We didn't, um, we didn't we weren't used to fighting. There were strikes every once in a while, and you know we would go lend support for that. But on a scale this big, and in Wisconsin, it's you know they, the Republicans attacked us statewide. That that's what they were they were going for. The the uh, Tea Party was big. Americans for Prosperity was was you know taking their bus tours on their misspelled buses all across the country, <laughs> and yeah. and it was just it was you know the people were coming together, and they, but it was they were putting unions as being the bad guys. So um, it's that we were the ones taking everything. Mm -hmm. So, Randy, before that, though, like, I think didn't Walker kind of dupe the unions, too, and said, you know, I'm going to might do this to the teachers, but I'm not, never going to do this oh, to you guys. Later right? on, later on. Right. He uh, and he I mean, he used um, some labor unions as props, he, you know, the hard hats. He had the carpenters, the operating engineers at his State of the Union address. And he, that's what he did say. And I had a conversation with, uh, with one labor leader um, of one of the unions. And I was like, look, you know, we work so closely together because the iron workers obviously were standing, you know, from day one with, with the public sector workers. Um, my sister's a teacher. And I tried to get the other unions that weren't, stand, you know, marching with us that were Walker supporters that, you know, helped him get elected. I, uh, I called and I was like, look, and I was told, look, what we're doing, Randy, if you were politically savvy, you'd understand that what we're doing is going to keep Scott Walker from passing right to work. Mm. And I was like, you know what? You'll be my hero if you can keep that from happening. But this is my cell phone number. And if, if you're wrong, you can call me back and we can have another talk. And my phone never rang. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely did. He, he wanted to use unions. And I mean, 30 percent union families voted for him. You know, mm -hmm. not just the workers and, you know, they saw what he did. And then he even convinced some some private sector in the building trades 
that not all all labor unions are good, you know, and and I just it just ground my gears, and and I was told too, it's like he's going to run for president from a, a Republican voting brother of mine in the weld shop, so he's he's going to run for president. How could you? How could you think he would try to pull right to work? I was like, that's exactly why he's going to do it. Because he's he needs something to push himself up and say, you know, like comparing teachers to terrorists. And I stood up to all these people. And I mean, seeing hundreds of thousands of people march around that Capitol as, as angry, but as peaceful at the same time, really spoke volumes about where we were. That was amazing. It I was, was there. I brought my kids because I wanted them to see what a functioning democracy looked like and how sometimes you had to invest and fight for it. Because what you said earlier about how you were, it was all just there before. You never mm -hmm. had to fight for it. And I can relate to that as an OBGYN doctor. We felt the same way about Roe. It was there. It'll never mm -hmm. be taken away. And here we are. So we always have to be fighting, which right. leads me to my next question. Where is labor now? Are they out there? Are they fighting? What are you seeing? Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, one of the things that they did, at least within the state of Wisconsin, was um, kind of like make it almost impossible to replenish. Like we can't, we used to be able to transfer a certain amount of money from our general fund to our political fund for a statewide level. On a mm -hmm. national level for like members of Congress and the U.S. Senate comes from our, our international but statewide, we had to get people to volunteer to put money in to replenish the funds. So, you know, and people are, are having hard enough times paying their bills. They don't have extra money to put in there. So it's it's very, very difficult to fund statewide candidates, like state assembly, mm -hmm. um, governor's race. So at least as far as that goes, and I think labor's power, though, is, has always been with, like, knocking the doors, not so much. You know, yeah. and it was a political attack, attacking unions, let's face it. It was nothing more than a political attack on unions because they traditionally uh, supported Democrats. Mm -hmm. But so now it's, you know, money wise, yeah, we're hurting and, and we're facing, you know, the billionaires are getting richer and richer, even during a pandemic. Yeah. And it's 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 an onslaught. The only way that we can fight back, um, we have to get the money out of politics. And, and we also have to make sure that we use our people power because that doesn't cost anything. That's yes. You know, a lot of sweat and that's that's i think where our advantage is so people power so right. i mean that people power you know to me although you know although we you know we we, we didn't have actually legal power at the time and the and the supreme court you know was has been voting against us for a long time act 10 to me was you know the epitome of what you know in my lifetime what wisconsin could do to fight back in kind of a protest kind of way uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, it didn't work out, but you know we 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 recalled the governor with like twice as many signatures as as you needed. Um, and but then we didn't get him kicked out of office. Yeah, <laughs> you'll I never. Mean, uh, I, I'll never understand that. We had you know more people sign the petition than voted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's it's millions of dollars, you know, getting put to uh, to dampen the enthusiasm. Um, the question is, I mean. Do we have? I mean, can we get that back in the last couple days of this election? I mean, is it already here? I mean, Obama showed up, and that was a heck of a speech, mm -hmm. and a lot of people were there. Bernie's coming. Uh, mm -hmm. By the way, I should mention, you know, Bernie Sanders is coming uh, to Oshkosh uh, mm -hmm. with the uh, what's the UAW Local 578. 
Uh, there's going to be a Bernie Sanders rally. Uh, it's these guys that lost lost all that work. They lost those po the making those uh, post U U.S. Postal Service trucks yep. to uh, South the, Carolina. The ones that Ron Johnson sent away. Yeah, he, well, he, we have enough jobs, according to Ron Johnson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he said we have enough jobs when there was these huge protests and just uh, utter disbelief that that he wouldn't support Wisconsin workers. Uh, it's incredible when, when the I, jobs are shipped to South Carolina. And, and I represent we uh, I represent a group that um, that does that would be, is going to be making they're planning on making parts for for that. And mm. and part of the problem is going to be like they're looking at doing it in North Carolina now. So he's going to have to come up with some kind of logistics to get all his parts shipped if he's going to be able to do it now. If it was if it was made in Wisconsin, all those workers are guaranteed pretty much um, the deal going through. And that's that's work for them, especially with the, you know, the economy looking like it's it's going to take a little bit of a dip coming up um, sometime. That was that was jobs for those guys. So when I see somebody like Ron Johnson say we have enough, you know, good paying jobs here, he obviously is clueless about what's going on in the state. So obviously, you're not going to get 30 percent of labor getting tricked this time around, at least not for Ron Johnson. Right. They know. No, they know he's <laughs> against. <them. laughs> what about right. Michaels? I mean. Are they, what are your, what is something, I get it, man. I've been to the Wausau Labor Temple and a lot of those guys, uh, you know, a lot of those guys are voting Republican. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of their, you know, it's not necessarily a party to them. It's like lifestyle. It's, I get it's it. It's a culture thing. Yeah. How yeah, do we and, get them to understand that the culture is different than what it stands for now? Well, I, I mean, here you have, you know, the, the Connecticut Yankee Tim Michaels coming in and he, he already lives in a mansion. He's running for office to live in another one here. Mm -hmm. um but he has a company that you know a lot of workers they know as a as a union company when i drive up to the wasa area i see the the red trucks with his name on the side doing road work and i want to roll down my window and you know say something it was like you're cool but your boss not so much and and uh but he's known as as being a union contractor but he's he said he's he'd be in favor of right to work he wouldn't you know if you had any power, I think part of the problem, though, is that once Tony Evers was elected governor, they had that lame duck session mm -hmm. and stripped as much power as they could. And right now, Wisconsin is so gerrymandered. It's, I mean, PolitiFact called it the most gerrymandered state in the country that, um, you know, there's like a 49 percent chance that the Republicans will have a veto proof majority in the state after they redrew the maps. So it's, you know, and now you have Michael Stu coming in and saying if, if he wins. Republicans will never lose another another race in the state. Yeah, just that's happened. terrifying. But if you're a Republican, then great. But look at look, look at what uh, what kind of things are being done across the country, where you know Republicans have power and and taking it all the way up to the highest court in the land, they're going to be able to get away with whatever they want after they pass because there's no way that that court, the Supreme Court, is going to say something is unconstitutional or unjust as long as Republicans are the ones that initiate it. And we don't have too much time left, Randy, but I'm going to ask you a big question. How do we change it? How do we get people out to vote for the right thing instead of voting against their best interests? How do we help them understand where their vote will make a difference in their own lives? Well, it's I, I mean, it's talking about rights. And I mean, the, you know, the Republicans have have uh, taken all kinds of words, freedom and and waved the flag around that. We need to reclaim, you know, a lot of words and, and freedom is one of them. But because are you really free if you can't afford to pay your bills? 
So true. And, you know, with the billionaires that are getting richer and richer, it's it's really pathetic. But we need to get everybody we we can to get out and vote, and, and we can't wait. And it's there's an urgency. I don't care what the polls say. We need to take this this. You know, we have less than a week to make mm -hmm. sure that we can protect our democracy. Democracy is on this ballot. Absolutely, it is. Thanks so much, Randy. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to get to a commercial. Uh, we'll see you on those doors, knocking those doors, my friend. Randy, sounds, it's been so great. great. I love progressive radio coming to the state. That's exactly what we need. That's part of the reason how they, they took over. Awesome, so man. Thank you. All right. Thank All you. Right. Take care. You as well. Let me die. Republicans will never lose another election in Wisconsin after I'm elected governor. Welcome back to the Up North podcast, or as we're calling it, the We All Ran for Assembly show, <laughs> because we have two amazing guests joining us. We've got Leah Spicer, who's running for the 51st Assembly District, and we've got Joel Jacobson, who's running, I don't know what the number is, Joel, what's your number? 63. 63, the very interesting 63rd Assembly District. Welcome, friends. Thank you, Leah, or Christine, yes. sorry, and Leah. <laughs> Thank so, you so much for having us. Thank you, Dust. So we invited uh, these guys on the show tonight uh, because there's some crazy stuff happening. First of all, we just played My Town by Jeffrey Steele because uh, both of these folks are, are from, you know, Leah, I, I played it for especially because she grew up in the Driftless region. I don't know what town because they're all kind of small. <laughs> What's the town, Leah? You yeah, grow? I grew up like way out in the country. It's town of Clyde, and it's like less than 300 people, but it's totally <laughs> rural. Yeah. And, and absolutely beautiful. And so Leah <laughs> was featured in a New York Times article uh, a few days ago that um, kind of – we talked about earlier in the show, and the reason we had Randy Bryce on earlier is they kind of gave the history of how uh, Wisconsin became as dysfunctional as it is. And one of the reasons it became dysfunctional is because, of course, it was gerrymandered to the hilt in 2011, and now recently got gerrymandered again, uh, even worse. So, uh, so what's happening now, which is something that is absolutely bonkers, and that uh, it it just it's, it's about as unfair and undemocratic as it gets, is that we've Democrats have won numerous statewide elections in the last uh, like the last eight out of nine statewide elections that Democrats have won. Biden won this state by 20,000 votes out of 5 million people in 2020. And but we are now in danger because we've been gerrymandered so badly of losing uh, Governor Evers veto power because there may be a super majority uh, meaning a majority that's big enough in the assembly and in the Wisconsin State Senate to override a veto, uh, which is just insane. And so uh, they were talking about that in the New York Times article, and they mentioned Leah's race, which is what Sauk County and that that district's always been very 
very even Steven. Uh, we'll talk, let's talk about that for a second, and then we'll talk about uh, Joel's race uh, in, in a little bit. Uh, tell, tell, tell us about why, I mean, ultimately, you kind of didn't, weren't going to run. You know, we were going to assume a, a Republican is going to walk through, but things are getting close now and getting exciting. Why, what's happening in your district? Tell us about what's going on. Yeah, um, I wasn't going to run. It's true. Um, I was approached by some really awesome people who really encouraged me uh, to throw my hat in the ring. Um, and, you know, I just think that there's too, there was too much on the line right now for me to not run. Um, and what I have found talking to voters is that a lot of people are feeling this, too. Um, feeling like there are so many big issues coming at them right now um, that we have to get involved with politics. And a lot of people, um, you know, are, are so glad to see that somebody threw their hat in the ring. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's always tight. It's been as, you know, much as uh, a thousand votes, as little as 52 votes in this district. Um, so it always comes down to very slim margins. And Democrats, we always think like, this is our shot. We're going to do it. We're going to flip it this time. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that this is our time. It would be amazing. Um, you know, I think some of my strengths as a candidate is that I'm from here. Uh, I grew up on a farm. I grew up in a really rural area. And I grew up having relationships, meaningful relationships in my life with people from all walks of, you know, the political aisle, you know, Republicans, independents, Democrats. And I feel really comfortable with the people of this district, you know, whether it's at a public school or at a town meeting or in a barn, um, in a small town, in a really rural area. I feel comfortable in those spaces. Um, and, you know, whatever, you turn on national news, right? And uh, you would think, like, we are horribly divided. Um, but, you know, when I first started this campaign, I didn't have a campaign manager, so I just, like, go to a town, and I would just start knocking on people's doors, anybody's doors, you know, I'd just do one side of the street and then the other. And, um, you know, I found uh, that, you know, whether people are Republicans or independents or Democrats, when we talk about the things that matter most to us, we pretty much all sound the same. Um, and uh, I think I've done a really good job sort of connecting one-on-one -on -one with voters uh, in a time when there's a lot of mistrust and frustration and uh, distrust of politics and politicians. Leah, you said it earlier, you're from there. You moved away and then you came back. You couldn't be a, a more authentic candidate in this environment. And, you know, recognizing that we've got 99 assembly seats here in the state of Wisconsin. And Kirk said earlier, the danger is if we lose five assembly seats, it's a super majority. So every seat counts, but your seat is really special. There aren't 99 people from Wisconsin who were in the New York Times earlier this week. <laughs> how does it feel? And, and before you, you tell me how it feels, you were you had to be asked repeatedly. You didn't just jump in like, yeah, this is the right thing for you. You needed a lot of urging and people saying you are the right person. You are the right person. How does it feel to have all of this attention and to know that people like Tammy Baldwin have recognized that you are the person who needs to be representing this district? Um, well, it is exciting and wonderful, but I don't really think that it's about me. I mean, I wish someone else had run in some ways. Uh, 
I'm glad, uh, you know, that, that I did make the choice to run, um, but it's any candidate and it's any candidate that can show up and listen uh, and hear, you know, the stories and the struggles and the issues from their voters uh, and, you know, try and fight for them as best they can. Um, but, you know, it is very exciting and wonderful um, and I'm very grateful uh, for the exposure and I'm very grateful because like I wouldn't be on this show if I hadn't been in the New York Times and this is a way um, that I can connect with voters too and so that feels really, uh, really special and important. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Leah, and I hope that we can get some uh, folks on the radio uh, to listen to you tonight from your district and uh, hopefully we can change a few minds. Now. I wanted to turn to Joel Jacobson. Joel, I met you when I was running, and I think Kristen probably met you. We, we did a commercial together for the, uh, for the Packers playoff game because you were a guy I met along the campaign trail a couple years ago. And you're, you're running against, you know, before, before, like, before Trump and Ron Johnson got into this business, like Robin Voss was the most evil person in Wisconsin in my own mind. And, and you've run against them three times not just, now. Not just right. in your own mind, Kirk. I, I think that is just a general consensus. I mean, this guy this guy had no scruples, whatever. He helped gerrymander and kill this state. But right. he did, weirdly, because it was illegal, he told Donald Trump and he told all the other crazies that thought that we could somehow overturn uh, the will of the people in Wisconsin, he told Trump that he couldn't do it. And the irony of Robin Voss looking reasonable. I mean, I mean, it's crazy. Robin Voss has destroyed Wisconsin, but he he just got on a plane. He he hired this Gableman to do the sh you know for the tune of a million dollars to do a, a sham investigation. Gableman turns on Robin Voss because Trump tells Gableman to turn on Robin Voss. This is like TV drama. So Trump right. recruits what's his name Steen or something like that. What's his name? Uh, Adam Steen. Adam Steen recruits this election denier to to primary Robin Voss from the right, and he and because he's got now Gableman and Trump, uh, you know, in, endorsing him against Voss, he almost wins, but he doesn't. He beats this guy by a razor thin margin, right. and so this guy decides he's gonna run a right as a write-in candidate, which could potentially split the vote between the Republicans in your district, which is kind of Republican, let's be honest. But that's right. why all of a sudden Joel Jacobson comes in and Dun -ba -da -dun! <laughs> with his with his oh. flowing with his Superman cape. And <laughs> and and now we could get you beating like the worst monster in Wisconsin on a write-in campaign because there's two write-in campaigns happening. This is the craziest thing I've ever I've ever seen. Man. It's uh it's uh <laughs> A circus, there is no doubt about that. And uh, the first time, nobody steps up. Second time, the gentleman steps up. He stays in the race for five days, and they threaten to destroy his business, and he backs out, and I said, there's nobody else. And uh, I worked for the fabulous woman by the name of Sue Sheldon, who's been a longtime organizer in this area, Western Racine County. And uh, it was, we moved tremendous uh, votes last time, like six points, 14,000 votes. So third time, um, it's, everybody knows campaigning is stressful. It's like, okay, a third time. But when Steen <laughs> came in, my wife graciously said, okay, go ahead and do it. 
uh, because the math makes sense. And uh, so uh, I'm looking at that 42% that happened last time and uh, uh, we're, uh, we're having a good time out here, uh, uh, but uh, it's uh, and trying to minimize the stress, but we are, we're experienced campaigners and uh, things are going very well. People know you, Joel, and that could make all the difference in the world. Right, the third time, uh, that is helpful. Quit <laughs> <laughs> laughing for the third time. This guy is a true Dude, you were a dork. I mean, you were never going to win, though, right? You were, you were in the same boat as I was. Kinda. Did you just call like, him a dork? No, oh, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say dork. A what dark. did I say? I can't remember. You were a dark horse. That's right. what I said. Like, like you were going to lose uh, because there's too many Republicans in the district. But, but this is crazy. That's why I wanted both of you guys to be on the show because – both of you kind of weren't part of the plan, the Democratic plan to hold Ebers veto, mm -hmm. you know, like like you both kind of came in different ways out of the woodwork. But but you, too, if one or both of you wins, could save the state of Wisconsin, you know, really, you could save democracy in Wisconsin. Um, Leah, let's go back to you. Like, how does it feel to be thrust into this kind of place where like you really are, you know, one of the most important things to America right now. Uh, because no Wisconsin, pressure, Leah. Because Wisconsin, if we lose our democracy, we might not get a democratically elected president in two years. Yeah, I mean, it just makes me want to work harder. Like it just makes me want to make these last days count so much. Um, and I'm really proud of the campaign that we've run too. We've done some things that are really unconventional. Like we didn't go negative, but we made kind of a big show of not going negative. And I think people really liked that. Um, I did like about a hundred doors today. Um, and some people seem really excited, but a lot of people ha have that sort of like oversaturated kind of feeling like, all right, I'm kind of done. I've gotten a lot of mailers. I've gotten a lot of this stuff, you know? Um, and so I am going to do, I'm going to keep doing doors, obviously, but I also painted like a big sign for the back of my truck that is like, just says, you know, can't stop and chat with Leia Spicer, you know, and I'm just going to like park at Farm and Sleep, park in the Walmart parking lot and just like kind of put the power in the voters' hands. Like we have so many of these messages coming at us and sometimes it feels like we can't control it. And so I'm like, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come and talk to me if you want to. You know? That's such a game changer. I feel like that makes all the difference in the world that you're visible because I can tell you my assembly rep has not done a thing. He has not been visible at all. He's not accessible. He's taking credit for a bunch of things that he clearly has no role in. But you putting a sign in the back of your truck and being like, come talk to me. People are desperate for that connection. They're desperate to have their voices heard and they're desperate for these negative ads to just stop okay so joel i'm gonna ask you the same question i mean do, i have nightmares do you have nightmares about what happens to wisconsin if if evers loses and if we get a if we lose the uh if he loses his veto i've been having nightmares since about uh, march 2016. i have a, and i have a history background we watch these patterns and we're watching it globally including brazil and uh, why humans kind of go into this frenzy about every 80 years, it seems to be, and I'll include the, uh, uh, the U.S. Civil War into that as well. And uh, we just have to work through it and, and get through the fever, so to speak. 
Um, I loved Leah's comment. It's about, it's not about me, it's about we, and obviously all the things that we know about healthcare, social security, Medicare, uh, an actual democracy. And uh, so uh, how we're gonna get there is we're just gonna keep working. I love, I love what the, the comment on, uh, uh, as far as Leah said, come and talk to me. I, I wish people would come and talk to me as well. Um, and I do, I talk to them all the time, uh, but there's certainly uh, people in this district who probably won't talk to me because they look at me as um, somebody who wants to take their taxes or their guns, which is not true, but um, that uh, those negative ads, and, uh, I, I don't know how much smearing Leah's gotten. I think there's been some, certainly Kristen's been victim to it, Kirk's been victim to it. Mm -hmm. uh, has been going on, but uh, they don't. They don't want to hear. Actually, Joel, I do most of the smearing. Believe it or not, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, true. No angel, it's true. It's no true. I'm pretty myself. aggressive. <laughs> but I mean, that's the hard part because you're a known entity. People know that you are on the Democrat side, so that comes with a whole bunch of baggage, whether it's true or not. And most of it is not. We know that. So how do you have conversations with people? We were talking to Randy Bryce in the last section about how do you get past the culture that people just assume, like, I'm a Republican, so I do the Republican things, but they don't realize that the Republican Party has changed. And by voting for Republican, they're actually voting against their own best interests. They're voting for Social Security to be taken away. They're voting for you know, so many things that, that don't benefit them. How do you get to that point in your conversations with people? Well, I think there's rational Republicans who want to govern in a democratic uh, environment waiting in the wings, but they have been um, pushed out of the party by the extremists. And part of that extremism is, of course, the billionaire dollars that flow in and kind of force that situation. They certainly exist here in Burlington and across the 63rd district. They're good administrators are rational people. Uh, and uh, they're willing to talk, and when you're on subjects that are um, uh, relating the local governance, the, co the conversations go absolutely fine. And I think they're waiting to to move into the Republican Party once we get through this extremism. And Agreed. it's going to take some time, but I'm optimistic that we can do it. But people like all of us and millions of us across the state of Wisconsin uh, just have to keep working mm -hmm. to. Uh, keep getting through and saying, we believe in rational governance. We'll talk about policy all day long, but we got to right. get past you uh, smearing. Uh, thank you everything. so much, Joel. And thank you so much, Leah. I hope uh, folks watch the podcast and check these guys out and go vote for both of them. They could save Wisconsin. I appreciate sure you guys could. being on the show. Good luck, Leah. Good luck, Joel. You're going to Thank you, this. everybody. this piece so much because I played cymbals in college marching band and I just want to be like crash <laughs> it just feels so like ah. I mean you listen to Randy Bryce and everything that happened in 2010 and so grateful to him for everything that he has done since that time that he continues to do sharing the history with us for those of us who may not have been familiar with it just thinking about you know Leah and Joel and the potential that they have if we can get people 
out to vote and to really swing things in that direction that we all want it to go to. You know, that place where the government is actually working for the people. Kirk, talk to me. Shed some, (laughs) give me a little bit of hope in my heart. So uh, I do want to give you hope, but I want to lay a little bit of uh, a little bit of groundwork for why we need this election is so important. So the we have Harvard Kennedy School is kind of some of the brightest uh, political scientists in the nation. Uh, the Kennedy School is named after John Kennedy, and these guys um, they're already professors that are writing uh, papers on what to do. Uh, if we become an authoritarian state in 2024. Um, and this is scary stuff because this is these are not YouTube professors. <laughs> you, know, you know, they didn't get their degree from YouTube saying that we're going to, you know, we're going to turn into like a fascist country. These are some of the smartest minds in America. And what uh, we're seeing is that they're, they're saying that we it looks like we could go that way if this election doesn't play out the way it should. And Mm -hmm. let me just read a couple things. Um, If the U.S. began to careen more precipitously towards authoritarianism at the national level, the country would most likely resemble an electoral autocracy, one in which semi-competitive elections take place to preserve a semblance of constitutional legitimacy, but in which, and listen to this, other features of democracy, such as the rule of law, separation of powers, press freedom, and civil rights are weak or non-existent. This is what happens when we, we lose an election and they start running roughshod over our institutions. So, so for those of us who didn't go to Harvard, that means that it still looks like it's democracy and it's got the shell of a democracy, but it really isn't a functioning democracy, right? And yes, and what history Thank has you, shown Professor us- Thank you, Professor Bankstead. What history has shown us is that uh, when you know when when Nazi Germany became Nazi Germany, that same movement, and you know even Joel was talking about how this happens every like eighty years, that same movement was t- was not allowed to happen in other countries mm-hmm. like Belgium, Czechoslovakia, and Finland. And what they did to stop that was basically uh, have people who cared about their own democracy. They got elected. They needed to win elections to get enough mm-hmm. power to be able to get these people off the radio spouting lies, to create right. laws that didn't allow people to, to, sell, to tell lies to millions of others. And so we need to get that power in order to stop this from happening. And that's why it, 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 it's so easy to stop if you have electoral power and, and political power. It's very difficult to stop if you've lost the power and author- authoritarians have it, which we're in danger of. Which is why, Kristen, this election matters so much. Can you leave us with with some enthusiasm, motivation uh, to get out of this potential darkness uh, that we might face and uh, get people to be excited about voting? Before I do that, I'd like to remind us all that Adolf Hitler was elected because he spent years figuring out how to rig the system so he would be the only person on the ballot So he was actually elected into power. So it's not so different for us now, right? We're headed in a very ugly direction, but you're right. We do have the power. We as citizens do have the ability to change the course of history and to create, to recreate a country that we truly believe in, focusing on shared values, focusing on the issues that we're concerned about and solving problems we've completely forgotten 
how to solve problems in this state because we're so focused on partisanship. I do believe we can get back to that, but that will require every single one of us to get out and vote. All right, folks. So this is the last uh, show we're going to have before the election. Uh, Pat will join us unless Yay! he's too tired next Wednesday <laughs> to do a recap on the election. If Evers wins, I'm going to be ex – oh, my God, it's going to be the best show ever. If he loses, I don't know if I'm going to be able to even talk. It's going to uh, be a great show regardless. So gonna, you should we're gonna, absolutely we're gonna talk join about us. It, yeah, next week. But so thank you, Kristen. Thanks for both Leah. Where are they? In the 51st and then Joel in the 63rd. Vote for these guys, and we will see you next week up at the cabin. Uh, man, we hope night. things go our way. Have a good night. We got everybody. this.